0: You're listening to the Finchwood Discipleship Podcast. My name is Matthew, and as your host, my mission is to help you discover who God is and what it means to live as a citizen of his kingdom. Greetings, Finchwood. To recap what was said last week, one of the analogies that the Bible frequently uses for the community of those who follow Jesus, we call that the church, is of a body with many different parts. Each part has a different function that contributes to the overall health and vitality of the rest of that body. Biologists sometimes refer to colonies of ants and bees as what they call a superorganism, entities consisting of multiple individuals that all act as one, with each individual taking on a specialized role that serves the larger community. Within a beehive, you have some bees that lay eggs or care for the young, others that defend the hive, some that physically build the honeycomb, and of course there are the bees that collect nectar and produce honey. Even with all of those bees swarming around doing different things, to some degree you can say that the entire hive constitutes a living thing. The church operates in much the same way. Different members play different roles within the body. What part you play isn't something you get to decide any more than a foot or an eyeball gets to decide to be a foot or an eyeball. The fact is that God made you with a unique mix of abilities and passions that only you can express the way that you do. Those facets of your personality that make you you are a gift from God, which means it's up to you to develop and use them to bring God glory and to serve others and I can promise you'll find a sense of purpose and fulfillment along the way. The reason I'm bringing that back up is that it's absolutely essential both for this topic and for the one that follows. If we don't understand being connected to each other, then the practice of our faith quickly descends into individuality and selfishness. In short, we've got to get this right, and it's something that modern Western culture makes us really bad at. We're usually so caught up in our own needs and wants, and we define ourselves so much as individuals that most of us have forgotten how to be a body anymore. And that's something we'll have to address later on in this podcast. Meanwhile, just try to keep the body in your mind. Perhaps the most important thing to keep in mind about gifts from God is precisely that they are gifts. We didn't earn them or deserve them in any way. Purely because he's good, God decided to send his Spirit to live in us and to give us new life. But God doesn't just want to work in us through the Holy Spirit, he also wants to work through us. I love the way Paul described this mystery in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. He says that we have this treasure hidden in pots made out of clay, that's us, for the purpose of showing that this immense power is from God and not from us. Everything we can accomplish as God's people all points back to Him. It shows how great He is. The moment we start to shine the spotlight on ourselves, we've lost sight of the point here. Another important thing to remember is that because all our gifts came from God, and they all point back to Him, they don't make any of us more or less important. So often, we tend to assign importance to one or two gifts at the expense of all the others. We elevate professional pastors and leaders because they're more visible. Or we think of miraculous gifts like prophecy and healing as something that only a super-Christian could do. Some groups elevate the gift of speaking in tongues as the most important of all. And some will even say, you're not a Christian if you don't have it. However, the simple, biblical fact is that each of these gifts serves a different purpose, a different role within the church and each one is just as essential and important as any other. That's where this analogy of the body really becomes essential. Your intestines may not be as visible or as pleasing to look at as your hands, but I for one would give up a hand long before I gave up my intestines. Now, imagine what would happen if your whole body decided to just be hands. You couldn't function. Thankfully, God, in his wisdom, provides the body that we call the church with wonderfully diverse people who each bear a different mix of abilities. So what kinds of gifts does the Bible mention? There are three different lists found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. And the great thing is that none of them claim to be comprehensive, so it's possible that God will work through you in ways that the Bible doesn't mention at all. Jesus once promised that we would do greater works than even he did during his ministry. Each of those lists has a slightly different focus from the others. Let's start with the list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is by far the most detailed. In fact, it's part of a longer section made up of chapters 12 through 14 on how to properly use the gifts that God has given us, with a whole chapter in the middle dedicated to how love is more important than all of it. You could do everything Jesus ever did. You could walk on water, you could raise the dead, but if your actions aren't grounded in and motivated by love, God doesn't care. 1 Corinthians does mention the concept of greater or lesser gifts, but it then goes on to define the greater gift as whichever one helps the church thrive, not the one that boosts your ego. Moving on to Romans chapter 12, at the risk of oversimplifying it a bit, This list includes things that could be described as personality traits. Things like being a good leader or being unusually generous. The main takeaway here is a practical one. You should be yourself as well as you can be. And do whatever it is you do in a way that serves others and glorifies God in the process. Finally, there's the list in Ephesians chapter 4. This one's a bit different from the other two because it describes certain people as gifts that Jesus gives to the rest of the church. People like pastors and prophets, whose lives are specifically focused on serving the body in a vocational sense. They themselves are a gift to the rest of us. And it isn't clear whether every Christian should express a gift on that list or not. I personally tend to think not, but you'll have to draw your own conclusion. The main point here is that some people are called to ministry as a vocation, as the primary focus of their lives, and the Bible honors that. On the flip side, every Christian has some kind of gifting that they can and should use for the good of all. There's one last thing I need to say here before I move on. If you spend time with enough different types of Christians, sooner or later you're going to come across some well-meaning groups who say that A lot of the miraculous abilities seen in the Bible, things like prophecy and spontaneous healing, are no longer available today. It's a long story how we got to that point, but ultimately the Bible never says that. To the contrary, the overwhelming biblical testimony is that God is present and active in the lives of his people. And while you might not see extraordinary miracles and inexplicable things happen on a daily basis, there's no real reason why you can't. I would even challenge you this way, if you serve a God who either can't or won't ever do anything in real life in the present, then maybe your God is broken and you need a new one. To be fair, on the other side of the fence you can easily find people who overemphasize the gifts more than the giver himself, or who insist that every believer should or even must actively be using all of them. But I also don't find that to be true in scripture. Once again, each one of us ought to develop the gifts that he or she has to the best of our ability. A few episodes ago, I talked about how we, as God's people, have a specific purpose and mission. The great news here is that the same king who sent us out on this mission is the one who equips us to accomplish it. He's given us everything we need, including his spirit living in us, in order to do the work that's been set out before us. In short, we each have a destiny, and those destinies are all tied up in the church's destiny. Now, especially if you're new at this, you might be thinking, Okay, Matthew, that sounds great, but I don't know what my gifts are. How do I figure out what part of the body I am? Now, that's a great question, and it's one that I think every believer wrestles with at some point in their journey. Now obviously I can't tell you exactly what every listener's individual gifts are in this podcast, but I can tell you not to overcomplicate the search. Start by asking God and the Christians who know you best what you might be gifted in. Also ask yourself, what am I good at or what am I passionate about? God may have placed those passions inside you for a reason, just like he did with me and teaching. If you still can't identify any particular giftings, maybe consider taking a spiritual gifts test online. Though it is the internet, so whatever results you get, take them with a grain of salt. Finally, keep in mind that you probably have more than one gift, and that some of them will change throughout the course of your life. That's very normal. Once you've identified some of your gifts, start looking for ways to use them to glorify God and to help others. Even within a broad category of a particular gift, there's still a lot of room for diversity in how and in what context that gift is expressed. In my own experience, I had to figure out how to use my skill as a musician. I sing and I play the guitar, but for the longest time, I thought the only way I could serve God with my musical gift was by becoming a worship leader, the guy who stands in front of the whole congregation and leads them in songs of praise to God. I tried doing that, and it didn't fit. I was stressed out all the time, and I wasn't really all that good. The problem wasn't my musical ability, or the songs I had chosen, or anything about the team I was working with. The problem was me. I wasn't supposed to be serving in that role, at least not in that place and at that time. Because it wasn't what God had for me, he hadn't equipped me to do it. Now, he still accepted and even used the gift of music that I gave him during that period. But it wasn't where I was supposed to be, so I stepped down, and I let someone else do it. Happily enough, it turns out that the guy I turned the position over to was a perfect fit. And it seemed like God did more through him in a month than he had done through me in the previous year. Another way I frequently see this principle working out is with professional pastors. Particularly in the United States, we've got this cookie-cutter idea of what it means to be in the ministry. Usually what happens is that for a congregation, there's one person at the top, and they're supposed to do everything. We want someone who's a teacher, a master of ceremonies, a musician, a psychotherapist, and a babysitter, all rolled into one. And it's way too much pressure and expectation to lay on one person's shoulders. If you want to be a one-man show, What you're going to end up with is a circus. It's a perfect recipe for burnout. In contrast, if you find that you can only do one thing, just do that one thing. Do it well, and keep learning how to do it better. Your exact mix of gifts is already perfect, so do your best not to compare yourself with other people. Maybe you admire someone who's a great leader or who hears the voice of God with amazing clarity and precision. But maybe you're not super great in those areas. Maybe you're incredibly skilled at creating an atmosphere for people to relax and feel welcome in. Now that's an incredible gift that not all Christians have. And the rest of us need you to be the best you can be at practicing hospitality. Don't beat yourself up just because you aren't exactly like somebody else that you admire. The fact is that they may be thinking the exact same thing. Man, I wish I was like you. I wish I was like this person over here. No gift is more important than the others. There's certainly a whole lot more to say on this topic, but that will have to wait for another time. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at the Christian lifestyle. Please join me next week for what should be a fascinating conversation. Meanwhile, thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Finchwood Discipleship Podcast conversations for people who want to be more like Jesus. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe now and consider sharing it with your friends. For more information about this episode's topic or to continue the discussion, please consult the show notes. See you next time.